New, new, new black, new, new black Wall Street book club. Evan Jefferson, brother, much love. Educating, elevating, because in knowledge is the power and we'll never give it up. <laughs> Literature is for the masses. Where to put your money down the how to watch your assets. Yeah, uplifting others is a passion. My brother Evan, he will turn it into action. New Black Wall Street Book Club. You should come read with come us. Read with us. Yeah, we comprehend and discuss. Yeah. If we all just come together, there's no limit for there's us. No limit for us. <laughs> Here comes your host, New Black Wall Street. Evan, take it away. New Black Wall Street Book Club. Welcome to the New Black Wall Street Book Club, where black folk do read. If you put it in a book, we absolutely will find it. I'm your host, ERGJ, your certified financial educator, CEO of ERGJ Enterprises, ERGJ Black Bazaar, and international best selling author of the book. The Black Billionaires Club. It's a study of black wealth. It's a study of the 12 richest black people in the world today and how they built their wealth. And I just believe that if you want to be wealthy, you should study wealthy people. We can find that book by going to the website www.theblackbillionairesclub.com www.theblackbillionairesclub.com You'll find that link in the description above or below. A quick word from our sponsor. Hey man, it's time we get right to our daily motivations for African-American success, our appetizer, affirmation appetizer of the day. Uh, and our today's title is Soul Survivors. Soul Survivors. I got to put that in. Soul Survivors. And our um, quarter today uh, comes from Chancellor Williams, author and historian. Again, this is a book, Daily Motivations for African-American Success by Mr. Dennis Kimbrough. And Mr. Chance, Mr. Williams says this, and I quote, the only reason why I'm here is because somebody held on. The only reason why I'm still here is because somebody held on. Good morning to you, Miss Everett, Miss Goodridge, Miss Adams, what's going on? How are you? I still have your book, never got a chance to read it yet. Uh, yeah, it's there. You can read it when you get when you get a chance. What's going on, Kenata? Thanks so much for joining, man. Good morning to you. Boston, Massachusetts house, Miss Sincere. Thanks so much for joining us here today on New Black Wall Street Book Club. Let's get our motivation for this morning. That's right, motivation for this morning. Soul survivors, let's get it. A 30-year-old mother was told she was in the advanced stage of terminal cancer. Uh, one doctor advised her to spend her remaining days enjoying herself on the beaches of Southern Florida. A second physician offered her the hope of living two or four years with the grueling side effects of chemotherapy and radiation treatment. She made her decision and then not notified her three small children in a moving letter. I've chosen to try to survive for you. This choice will have some horrible costs, including pain, loss of my sense of humor and moods I won't be able to control. But I must try to bear this, if only on the outside chance that I might live one minute longer. And that minute could be the one in which you might need me the most. For this, I intend to struggle tooth and nail, so help me God. Like the preceding story, you are here because someone chose to survive for you. Someone struggled tooth and nail, kept alive only by the grace of God. Maybe it was your mother or father, an aunt or an uncle, your grandmother, grandfather, even a great-grandparent, but someone, somewhere, chose to survive for you. 
someone chose to endure the beatings, uh, to withstand the lynchings, to undergo the hardships, to swallow their pride, to turn the cheek to the degradation, to sustain the poverty, to put up with the indecencies, to tolerate the inequities, to look past the injustice and withstand the oppression to survive for you. You owe it to yourself as well as the next generation to continue your struggle for survive for you. Right now, I want you to think about those that are have made a choice, whether in your past, whether in your life, at some point in time, to survive for you. They held on one minute longer to survive for you. Uh, they did it to make your life a little easier, make it more convenient, to give you a, a fair chance. They survived for you. And is it not our responsibility to do the same? Especially if you got kids, you got children, you got people in your life that you're going to hang on as long as God is willing and survive for them. Here's our uh, affirmation of the day. Here's what you want to allow to take root to your subconscious by repeating it over and over and over again until you bring forth a harvest into your life. Uh, this is where we actually use our tongue. Power life and deficit of the tongue. We can use our tongue or our vocabulary or our words, our mouth, to speak life into our life. Affirmation of the day. Repeat after me. Today, I will thank my family for surviving. On my behalf. Let's do that again. Really get some thought about those who have come before you. Repeat after me. Our affirmation today. Today. I will thank my family. For surviving. On my behalf. Now as you hear that affirmation. As you might be repeating it for yourself. Who is coming to your mind? Who are you thinking about? Say, man, this, uh, this, this, this mother, father, grandparent, uncle, whoever, they survived for me. And quite possibly could be people you never met in your life. Could be your great, 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 great. Who knows? But who's coming to your mind? Say, man, they held on and survived for me. Let's do it one more time for the people in the back. Our affirmation of the day. It's time we're going to say it with some conviction. Let people know that we mean business. Repeat after me. Today, I will thank my family for surviving on my behalf. A quick word from our sponsor. Don't just buy black, decorate black. ERGJ Black Bazaar is the Afrocentric marketplace, and we specialize in urban home decor. Anything from shower sets to wall tapestries to duvet cover sets, you can decorate your entire home with original black art-inspired gifts. Check us out at www.ergjblackbazaar.com, www.ergjblackbazaar.com. ERGJ Black Bazaar, the Afrocentric Marketplace. We make group economics easy. The New Black Wall Street Book Club presents 
Black Fortunes. The story of the first six African Americans who escaped slavery and became millionaires by Shamari Wills. Let's read. Black Fortunes, uh, the story of the first six African Americans to escape slavery and become millionaires. I believe we're into uh, chapter 18. So that's where I'm going to find out here. And it's called Black Millionaire Legacy. Black Millionaire Legacy. So I hope you guys have been enjoying um, the, the book that we've been reading, guys, that we've been, uh, been learning uh, historical uh, about some of our ancestors, our past. And uh, we'll continue along today. Again, uh, Black Fortunes, the story of the first six African-Americans to escape slavery and become millionaires, chapter 18. A Black Millionaire Legacy. Let's read. This is part one. Let's read. So in August of 1918, everybody put in the comments on 1918. So this is basically 100 years ago. 1918. 100 years ago. Really love history. In August of 1918, in a banquet hall by the Atlantic City Boardwalk, Annie Turnbull Malone and Madam C.J. Walker attended the 19th Annual National Negro Business League Conference in Atlantic City, New Jersey, where they were joined by John Nail, an associate of the infamous Hannah Elias, Alonzo Herndon, a black insurance magnate, and Bob Church's son and successor, Robert Reed Church Jr. Together, the black tycoons had a combined net worth of over $6 million at the time, which in today's term would be about $97 million. Let's read these names again. John Nell, Hannah Elias, Alonzo Herndon, Robert Reed Church, Annie Turnbull Malone, Madam C.J. Walker, back in 1918, their net worth was roughly over $6 million in that time frame, which is accumulative to about $97 million today. They were joined by dozens of other black entrepreneurs from a growing community of black business people across the country. James Carroll Napier, the late Booker T. Washington's successor as the president of the National Negro Business League, presided over the festivities. A Napier had beige skin and a wispy white hair. He dressed in three-piece suits with gold pocket watch chains and spoke with a strong Nashville Southern drawl. The league discussed the grocery business in black, black communities as well as support for black farms. They discussed the life insurance business and investing in real estate. Chief on the minds of the members of the league as they sat together in the banquet hall was World War I. A John Nail, New York's top real estate developer and a returned war, World War veteran, listened intently as Napier waxed on about how it was paramount for the efforts of African-American soldiers in the war to be publicized. Then the discussion turned to business. Dr. R.R. R. Moten, an administrator at the Tuskegee Institute, took the floor to submit a plan for how black business could take advantage of the more favorable economic conditions presented to them by the war. Later, the group moved to congratulate Annie Malone on the completion of Poor Old College in St. Louis, and Madam was give, briefly given a floor to advocate for a resolution to praise George W. Breckenridge, a white newspaper publisher who had pledged $100,000 to combat lynchers. After Atlantic City, Madam C.J. Walker continued to rise to celebrity. In 1918, the Madam C.J. Walker Manufacturing Company brought 
and $275,000 or $4.4 million in revenue, half of which was profit. It made about $150,000 the previous year. I have no doubt that the that you can easily make half a million in 1919. Her manager, Freeman Ransom, wrote Madam just after New Year's of 1919. The previous year, he had told Madam that her expenditures dwarfed her income by almost $200,000 or $3.2 million, and she had spent $329,000 or $5.3 million building a mansion, Villa Luaro, in upstate Irvington, New York. This makes an apparent deficit, which is, of course, offset by loans, etc. Ransom informed Madam that she had $5,288 or $84,000 in the bank at the time of the writing. However, the projections for 1919 were looking good. So her coffers would soon be full again. That year, the Walker Company took in $12,000 of revenue in the month of January. That $12,000 is about $169,000 today. That month, Madam went to Tiffany & Company at 37th Street and 5th Avenue and bought a 3.38 carat solitaire diamond set in platinum surrounded by 66 tiny diamonds and matching earrings. The purchase nearly ate up her entire profit for the month. Madam spoiled herself, but she had failed to look at her health. She had developed hypertension and had lived with the ailment for years. But the strain of her frequent travels and the stress of running her company made it difficult to keep her symptoms at bay. Four months later, in May of 1919, just after moving into her upstate mansion, Madam collapsed in her parlor. She died of kidney failure shortly thereafter. At the time of her death, she had a net worth of just over half a million dollars. After her death, uh, Freeman Ransom decided to publicize that she had been a millionaire. He realized that the future of the Walker Company and estate depended on her memory. He had long realized that women bought Walker products because they wanted to be like Madam, a slave's daughter who had risen to fame and fortune. Ransom created press releases for black newspapers that implied that Madam had been a millionaire. The tactic worked, and soon the legend began to be repeated as fact. Under Ransom's direction, the company brought in a million dollars in a two-year span from 1919 to 1920. Perhaps his most competitive year was Poro, which did more than $3 million or $36.6 million of business in the same period. The surge was short-lived as the revenue fell in the 1920s. Before the Great Depression in 1929 dealt a near-death blow to the company. By 1931, Madam's Mansion, Villa Luaro, was on the market. Her properties in Indianapolis rented out. The Walker Company was struggling to stay afloat and her daughter, Aaliyah Walker, was pawning her jewelry for money. In August of 1931, Aaliyah died of a brain hemorrhage. Like her late rival, Annie became overly concerned with showing off her wealth. In 1920, she made a splash when she bought a Rolls Royce. That year, she made more than $4 million, or $48.8 million in today's terms, and paid the second highest income tax in the state of Missouri. In 1924, she gave $25,000 or $357,000 in today's terms to the Indianapolis YMCA. Well, Madam had been able to make a splash with a $1,000 donation. Outside of St. Louis Press, the gift was largely unreported, and it grew frustrated by the lack of recognition. She berated her employees, and she and her husband fought loudly in public. In 1926, 
Aaron filed for divorce and sought half of Annie's empire. In the end, after a costly court battle, she was forced to give Aaron $200,000 or $2.7 million in today's terms. It was the beginning of financial troubles as she spent the next decade trying to spin her way into relevance, giving six-figure donations to causes only to achieve minimal press coverage. Her out-of-control spending forced her to default on her taxes, and by 1943, she owed $100,000 to the IRS, and a lien was placed on her assets. In her later years, Annie continued to struggle over money, and the poor old company faded. On May 10th of 1957, she died at the age of 87. In some of the publications that carried the news of her death, she was eulogized as Madam C.J. Walker's mentor. Wow. So what's going on, man? What's going on, Peter Grant? Man, thanks so much for joining. So that's actually chapter 18, guys. But I think it's, it's, it's important to kind of talk about this, right? So it appears, based upon this uh, literature, uh, the Black Forge is the story of the first six African Americans to escape slavery. That um, that the uh, uh, the image or the uh, who we know as Madam C.J. Walker, based upon this, everything hasn't necessarily been true. Uh, what Madam C.J. Walker and her team was really great at was marketing. Uh, they can get a message out, and we would call that today propaganda, uh, and turn anything that is seen or heard enough. Even if it's a lie, it becomes fact or true to other people. While the real quote-unquote millionaire, the real woman of wealth, who was her mentor, which makes sense, right? That her mentor would be making more money than her, uh, was trying to spin her way into relevance. And this is very interesting to me. So one uh, uh, conglomerate, one company, one entity did a great job with marketing, uh, which, which is conveying a message, whether true or false, and getting people to believe that message. The other entity, which actually had, uh, seemed to have uh, truth, seemed to have facts, seemed to have the real stuff, they weren't good at marketing. Uh, so they tried to pay their way into recognition, pay their way into relevance, pay their way into people understanding that they had wealth. Now, I don't know why, I guess this is important, for people to believe that you have wealth, I think it's the same thing that we kind of struggle with today. As soon as we get a little bit of money, uh, we kind of want to make people, uh, show people that we got a little bit of money. I don't think that's the wise thing to do. I mean, Andy Turnbull could have just kept doing what she was doing and she could have let the results speak for itself. But it was important to her and it was so important to her that she literally went broke trying to be recognized. Now think about that for a second. Because many of us still do it today, even on our small little scale, we'll go broke trying to be seen. We'll go broke trying to be seen. Whether that's a brother that's uh, that's trying to date a woman or trying to get a woman's attention. We'll go broke trying to be seen. And Annie Turbo, it got to the point where she drove off her partner, her husband, who basically seemed like he was like, I can't take this no more. You, you, you got, you got your, your habits. This habit that you developed of overspending is causing our empire that we built together at the end of the day to go broke. And he hightailed it out of there. While on the other end, Madam C.J. Walker, she really did not have the wealth based upon this that we all have been led to believe or duped to believe. Now this is, this could be messing up people's ideology. Because all my life, I, I, I've heard, right, 
Adam C.J. Walker was the first black female millionaire. Huh? Now, now, if it is a lie, because I can't say whether it's a lie or truth, and it don't really doesn't matter, but if it is a lie, then why was that lie so, so propagated out when we had other millionaires who we could have known as well, who could have been in the text, who could have been part of black history? I don't know. What made Madam C.J. Walker so compelling that she became the face of wealth Especially for for a lot of different ways, for black wealth, for women wealth, for black women wealth, she became the face uh, that I would say, and you ladies help me out, that you aspire to. You think about C.J. Walker, you're like, man, I want to be like Madam C.J. Walker. I want to have that type of wealth. But when I look at what she left behind, when I look at again, both of them had some overspending issues. I think this is very very interesting. Very, very interesting that they, although they, that's why I tell people all the time, right? I know a lot of broke millionaires. I know, I know a lot of broke rich people. But what that means is that they might have money. They may make a lot of money, but they don't keep a lot of money. And many of us, we look at these people who make a lot of money, not really looking at their habits with how they're managing their money or what they're doing with their money, or the impact that they're making with their money. We just see them making a lot of money, and we think that they have money. Well, that might be temporary. They might have it now, or here's what I would say, here today, gone tomorrow. So it still comes down when we start talking about building wealth, not only just getting it, right? Because many of us get it. But maintaining it and managing it, uh, making it work for us, you see, Madam C.J. Walker had to get the nice diamond that, that you know, had Rolls Royce. You know what I'm saying? The Tiffany and Company back then, man. Super expensive stuff. All to portray the image of wealth instead of leaving an inheritance to her children's children. Man, what's going on? Fish Empress over at, over at Instagram says, man, branding. They're marketing and branding. It's amazing what we can do with marketing and branding. And I believe... Uh, many of our black businesses that are uh, are are in existence, they, we got a long way to go when it comes to effective marketing for our businesses. I believe that is the who I'm telling you, man. I, if we if we focus more on our, our our dollars into marketing, we have more success. And I, I found that to be true. I mean, I, I sell some stuff, but then as I invested more into marketing, I got more of my stuff out. I got more people calling. I'm making more sales. And I just keep on reinvesting more in the market than I do anything else. I'll forego particular things because I realize it's going to take money away from what I can do in marketing and branding to establish my business as a legitimate business that people want to do business with. Fitz Emperor said, man, the message of the daughter of slaves to wealth, it's like the Cinderella story. Yeah, it was motivation for black people. Yeah, it was motivation. It was motivation. Uh, the story of, 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 of Madam C.J. Walker, all my life has been motivation. Um, and, and I just feel a little funny now reading this book and it's like saying, hey, <laughs> what you thought was true wasn't true. So, so you know, believe in a lie or a dream or whatever, I guess it's still okay to, you know, hold that in high regard. I'm not going to discount what Ms. Madam C.J. Walker has done uh, through her life. Uh, she's still a hero in my eyes. But it is good. I mean, I, I, I feel it is good to know 
you know, a different perspective. I can't even say what's the truth. I, 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 I think it's the truth. I don't know. I, you know, it, it's a whole bunch of different, I guess, stories. Uh, but it's good to hear another story. He see another side, and also to uh, to uncover other wealthy people a hundred years ago. Again, Lonzo Hearn, and we ain't even gotten to talking about that brother uh, who did a lot here in Atlanta. Um, Robert Reed Church, we'll probably finish up talking about him in a couple of episodes. Um, Hannah Elias, we've been, we've been discussing her and her story. So it's, it's great to even just to, 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 to become, come into awareness of wealthy people who look like you and I. Our ancestors who had who who built stuff in one way, form, or another, they built wealth. Uh, they they lived well, and this was you know over before the Great Depression. I, I mean, we're talking we're talking 1919, 1900s, 18 late 1800s, early 1900s before the Great Depression. So we had some brothers and sisters who were doing well, very well financially, in whatever way in which they did it. And I just think that's absolutely phenomenal. And again, what we're talking, Annie Turnbull Malone and Madam C.J. Walker uh, really did it in the hair industry. Now, I don't know about you, but it kind of tells me that, uh, you know, there's still money to be made in the hair industry, by the way, in case y'all didn't know. <laughs> Ava said, man, they would have been a powerful team if they would have worked together. Madam uh, could have been, they could have made them. Yes, that, that's the thing. They, they started out working together. And then became competition. All right, you know. Again, it just reminds me of what we see all the time with the, with the, with the, the, the senior pastor and the youth pastor, or whatever. You know, they could create something great if they work together. But then eventually, that youth pastor is going to say, you know what? I can do it better than my than my mentor. And he goes off and he starts a church down the street or down the block or whatever the case may be. Same thing, man. So it continues to happen uh, because I don't believe that we value, I put it this way, we don't really value our mentors. We don't value our masters. Uh, those who have, who have trained us and taught us, we start thinking, especially when you're young, and we understand when you're young, we start thinking, man, you know, yeah, that don't work, this don't work. We start looking at all the faults. We say, man, I can do it better. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the one of the principles and in, 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 uh, 48 laws of power is never outshine the master. <laughs> never outshine the master. Can I say, man, are you going to sell this book? Uh, no, I'm not. Um, reason being is because what has to happen in order to sell the book, I have to invest, uh, you know, enough upfront to get the books in bulk, and I have to buy about 25 of those books in advance. And I don't think I got 25 people that want to buy the book. So, yeah, I'm not getting back into the, I'm probably not getting back into the uh, the book selling game like that unless I can buy them without having to buy so many to have some in stock. Um, I will tell you guys this. Uh, we are starting um, on Wednesday. We'll be starting the 52-week savings challenge. So for those that want to be a part of that, uh, that'll, be, uh, that'll be something that we do for the Black Billionaires Club. And I also do my IGTV. Um, so if you're, if you're, if this is the year that you are serious, 2020, we did this five years ago and now I'm doing it again. Uh, I, I didn't realize it was five years ago. Uh, but if you're serious about, you know what I'm saying? Making sure that you're never straight out of money. Right. And you, uh, and you begin to, 
uh, discipline yourself to make sure that you fill your own bank accounts. Well, this could be a good exercise for you to go through. It'll be a weekly thing uh, that we do. And then at the end of this time, by this time next year, should have about $1,500 in your savings account. Now, the cool, interesting thing is that you, it's just a matter of discipline. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of discipline, uh, creating a habit so that you will, you'll have some, you'll have at least an emergency fund saved up. And then you can continue that habit. If you continue that habit for 10 years, another decade, now you're talking about 1,500 times 10, now you're talking about $15,000 that you could have saved, even if it's just a job that you have, uh, if you just do it every year. Now, of course, things are going to happen, right? Uh, some, some emergencies are going to come up. Uh, that you're going to have to dip into your savings, but that's what the savings are there for. It's to save you from your own emergencies. So we'll be starting that on uh, on Wednesday. Uh, so if you want to be a part of that, you know, just tune into our IGTV uh, that we'll be doing some broadcast there as well. Um, what's going on? I don't remember the book said they invested in money in stocks and bonds, but I believe you mentioned real estate. Uh, yeah, so uh, they bought real estate. I didn't, I didn't see anything about stocks and bonds. Of course, we're talking about 100 years ago. So we don't necessarily, we would have to look and see, what, number one, if they had access to to the stock market back then, where the stock market was at that particular time. Because uh, remember, they just covered from slavery where they were the stock market, right? <laughs> like they, they literally were being auctioned off to the highest bidder. They were a part, we were a part of the stock market at some particular time. So in 1919, 1920, uh, that's began. That's the beginning of the black economic boom. Uh, but we still, uh, we still were separated, right? We still, uh, there still was a segregation. So I don't know if we had access uh, to a stock market or stocks and bonds in that form. Uh, there were banks, black banks, uh, that may could have offered that. Not quite sure. Uh, that's some research that we can do to find that out. All right, that's some research that we can do to find that out. This is the New Black Wall Street Book Club, where black folk do read. If you put in a book, we absolutely will find it. Now, I'm your host, ERGJ, your certified financial educator, and we invite you to join the Black Billionaires Club. Get connected with brothers and sisters who are serious about winning with money, serious about success, and super serious about helping you to accomplish your goals and to build your dreams. Check out the website at www.theblackbillionairesclub.com, www.theblackbillionairesclub.com. You can find that link in the description above or below. Make a decision to change the rest of your life. We'd ask that you would subscribe and support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes to improve financial literacy within our community and ultimately to help us to build the School of Wealth. To build an institution that will teach the next generation about money and your small monthly contribution can make all the difference well it says well we want to say thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the new black wall street book club we want you to remember this that it takes a village and it starts with us let's build as we climb together we all we got people and thank god that that's more than enough until next episode, you know what time it is. Mr. DJ, hit the music. New, new, new black, new. 
It's the new Black Wall Street Book Club Street. With your host, Evan Jefferson. Evan Jefferson It's time for us to go Yeah. Now you ain't gotta leave the computer But we encourage you to get out there And learn And apply All the things you learn at the new Black Wall Street Book Club Book Club Yeah Thank you.